Welcome to Chip Chat, an interview series that connects you with technology experts around the issues that industry is focused on today. And now your host, Allison Klein. Hi, this is Jake Smith, Director of Data Center Technologies, and I'm honored to be your backup co-host for Allison Klein for Intel Chip Chat, live from Microsoft Ignite in Orlando, Florida. I am joined today by my dear friend, Ken Letourneau, Enterprise Solutions Architect for the Data Center Group. Welcome, Ken. Hi, Jake, thanks a lot. You know, we've had you on the show talking about the work that we've done to optimize for SQL, but really I want you to talk about today, if you could, for our listeners, the impact of the emerging technologies on SQL Server 2019. Okay, so SQL Server 2019, GA'd this week, right? Here we are at Microsoft Ignite. Like any new version of SQL Server, there's been a slew of new features performance enhancements, availability enhancements, but this is also the first version of SQL Server with native support for app direct mode of Intel Aptane DC persistent memory. So they've made SQL Server persistent memory aware, or PMM aware, if you will, and they've exposed a couple of features. They're going to bring some benefit to a wide variety of workloads and situations. You know, talking about one of those would be something they've called enlightened I.O. Ooh, that sounds interesting. Right. Interestingly enough, they've done this, uh, they've enabled that for Linux, first and foremost, before Windows Server. But the idea was, up until now with SQL Server, you could host a database on a persistent memory device, like Intel Aptane DC persistent memory, but you had to interact with like a block device and in kernel I.O. mode. So you had this very, very fast media sitting on the memory bus with very large capacity points, and you had to talk to it like it was a traditional piece of storage. So there's all this kind of software overhead or a little bit of latency introduced, just having to interact with it like it was any other type of storage device. And so with Enlightened I.O., they've enhanced what they call the SQL PAL, which is the abstraction layer. Abstraction layer sits between the Linux OS and the SQL Server binary. It's the same SQL Server binary that Windows runs, but they've got this abstraction layer that sits between it on Linux that does all the interaction with the OS. So they've enhanced to the PAL to determine if I'm running on a PMEM volume that's set up for direct access, I'm going to start doing mem copy operations in user space and bypass kernel mode I.O. So you get an immediate latency reduction on all your I.O.s. So think of this as kind of a storage engine improvement that just applies to any and all SQL Server files running on a PMEM volume. So this is kind of like this concept of a diskless database, if you will. You could actually have your entire SQL Server installation, all the database files, TempDB, your user databases, your system databases, or you could mix and match if you wanted, but you could put the entire thing onto a volume backed by Intel Optane DC persistent memory and utilize this feature. And you're going to see a performance increase there across the board for all those databases just by virtue of no longer having to do kind of legacy I.O. software stack traversal. So that's one of the two. The other, I actually find possibly even more interesting, something they're calling hybrid buffer pool. The buffer pool in SQL Server is basically, traditionally, is the amount of memory granted to SQL Server to house database pages. And it'll house clean pages, dirty pages, and it's really limited by either your addition of SQL Server, which standard edition says you can have no more than 128 gigabytes in the buffer pool, enterprise being unlimited, or it's limited by how much memory is on the system. And it's configurable too, but if you wanted to go to the max, it's either how much the addition supports or how much your hardware comes in terms of DRAM. So with hybrid buffer pool, they said, okay, we're going to allow you to split up your buffer pool between DRAM and persistent memory devices. And we're going to use DRAM for any kind of dirty pages that need to be written back to disk later. We're going to use persistent memory for all of your clean pages. So rather than the traditional buffer pool approach where you would have to request a page, you'd have to go out to disk or storage, read that page, and then copy it into memory. That's been eliminated. It can just read clean pages directly off of the memory bus on a persistent memory volume. Two things happen there. It's much faster access to your clean data. 
And the second is now your buffer pool gets much larger. So you don't have to swap pages in and out as frequently. Mm -hmm. So at up to three terabytes a socket in the first generation of Intel Aptane's persistent memory, you could have in a two-socket server six terabytes of effectively clean page cache in a hybrid buffer pool, and then some amount of DRAM for the traditional DRAM-based buffer pool, which is handling your, your dirty pages. And if you're, say, a SQL Server standard edition user, and you are limited by 128 gigs max of that edition supports, the hybrid buffer pool does not suffer from that same limitation. You can actually grow beyond now 128 gigs in your hybrid buffer pool because any capacity that you're adding with a persistent memory doesn't count against that 128 gig DRAM limitation on that addition. Well, it really changes the database architect's ability to transform how they want to run their performance tests. At six terabytes, that's a larger database set than most enterprises had just five years ago. Right. So, you know, one of the things that I really love about SQL is that it's incredibly popular. But why do you think, Ken, it is so popular? And what are some of the key features beyond the ones that you talked about for SQL 19 that users are going to benefit from, whether it's structured or unstructured right, right. data? I think, one, the, eco the ecosystem around it is huge, but two, it's continuously evolving. Look at the features that come out every major release. You know, it's about a two-year cadence right now. Of course, you get commercial ISV support, being a Microsoft product when you're a licensed user. They'll give you a full feature developer edition. There's no license required for that to go prototype your environments. And then with SQL Server 2019, they've already built on this, you know, it's a known commodity for operational databases, data warehousing. If you go out to tpc.org and look at the leaders in the TPCH, TPC workloads, Microsoft occupies the number one spots in those for a lot of the permutations of those tests. And probably worth mentioning that when you look at those number one listings, they're all on Intel platforms, coincidentally or not coincidentally. You decide. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, performance is kind of a known thing. Security-wise, long, long time ago, was it circa 2000, something called SQL Slammer came out, and I had to respond to that at work. It, you know, crippled the environment. Microsoft got their act together and said, this is never going to happen again. And so, you know, the National Institute of Standard Technologies, NIST, mm -hmm. you know, kind of tracks software vulnerabilities. And they track it across major database providers, commercial providers, open source providers. And you know, it's gotten to the point where SQL Server is now fewest reported vulnerabilities years on years running across a lot of the other database providers in that same market. And now with SQL Server 2019, they're bringing out this concept of big data integration and data virtualization. So they're saying, okay, well, if you have Oracle in your environment or Teradata in your environment, okay, we have this concept of data virtualization with SQL Server 2019. We'll give you an ODBC connector that can talk to those endpoints just like their SQL Server. So what does that mean from a possibility in terms of just information flow or doing analytics work? Can I actually eliminate some of my ETL jobs or my ELT jobs? Yeah. Why would that be appealing? A couple of reasons, right? Uh, one, they add latency. If I have to go talk to another data source, query out some data, reorganize it, put it into a SQL Server platform, that takes time. And you start talking hundreds of gigs or terabytes, it can take a lot of time. It's a good lot of time. Yeah. Days even. Yeah. yeah. And aside from that, now you have a copy of a copy, and now you start having security concerns. Like, well, was it encrypted over here? Is it need to be encrypted over here? What am I doing with this intermediate staging data? Do I need to lock that down too? That might take additional time. So if you can eliminate those steps, you get faster time to insights, right? And those are structured data sources. You're asking about unstructured. So SQL 2019, they've got this new feature called big data clusters. I've heard about it. Yeah. And that's effectively integration into the Hadoop ecosystem and Spark. So now you can start defining SQL Server tables over unstructured data sources in HDFS and then use Spark to distribute queries across those large data sets. Interesting. I mean, that is kind of the paradigm in that world, right? It's data is now distributed across a number of what we call data nodes, and then we can go run queries distributed across those as well, go send the work to where the data is, merge it all back together at the end. 
And again, you can talk to it again like it's Transact SQL, which is this huge community that people are very proficient in doing that. Yep. And they look at you know something else that doesn't talk that same language, and they go, well, maybe that is an impediment. Maybe I should just extract all that and get it in a framework where I can query the way I'm comfortable querying it. Well, with big data clusters, you can actually take that element out of the equation as well. And so if you've got data in a big data environment or a dupe type environment, SQL Server is now kind of a common interface to talk to that as well. You know, you're in the midst of a digital transformation journey. We've got this new database technology that now supports Linux and Windows. You have the capability of deploying Optane data center persistent memory. So you can now have a persistent memory interface. You talked about hybrid buffer pools. What does this mean for those customers though? How do they start to plan for SQL 19 incorporation as part of their digital transformation initiative? Uh, well, a couple of things. So one thing I forgot to mention too with the way they're actually deploying big data clusters is now Kubernetes-based and container-based, which if you're not considering orchestration and containers as part of your transformation journey, you might be on the wrong train. <laughs> <laughs> the train left a different station. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think the hooks are there to actually be more hybrid cloud-like and for people on that journey, looking at legacy applications, older databases, older versions, they're giving you, I mean, it's never really an easy button, but they're giving you a nice set of guardrails that's going to steer you down a path that is more nimble, more cloud-like, or certainly a path to hybrid cloud, and all the goodies that come with that too, right? For your DevOps, your continuous integration, your continuous delivery. SQL Server 2019 and the ecosystem around that now really lends itself well to that model. Other oh, some announcements here this week too, like you know Azure Arc. Starting to wrap my head around what that really means. Uh huh. And it's like, oh well, I could deploy. You know, it's not just about even provisioning systems on demand. It does all that, and I can spin one up on premises, or I can spin one up in a public cloud. It's the same interface. It's the same clicks. But then you start getting into like the uh, insights into your environment, and I want to have a policy that previously you know, I want to say who can log into this, who has access, what does the maintenance schedule look like. Um, that can all be managed with something like Azure Arc on-premises as well, the same way you would have done it in Azure. So, you know, the capabilities like that and just, you know, I, I just got out of one of their me mechanic sessions prior to coming over to this chip chat and they were doing a demo on how could I do a rolling upgrade to a SQL environment. This was a major pain five, six, seven, eight years ago. It's getting more and more streamlined to the point where they could just say, okay, I've got a load balancer in front of my SQL environment. I'm going to tell it who's being maintained right now and it's going to divert load to who's still alive or still active. It's going to go deploy some updates to one, bring it back up, stabilize, and just rolling upgrades. And all the while, your users are blissfully unaware their query's been routed here or there, and it just, it just works. It just works. Yeah, yeah. You know, our listeners love hearing from you because you are, uh, I like to say, the database guy that I go to. So talk a little bit about where you see not just emerging technologies of SQL, where you see database technologies like SQL Server 19 going as we introduce the intelligent edge. Okay, so SQL 19 in particular, it's no longer just about queries and business operations. It's now being positioned as a data platform and a foundation to run analytics, maybe a foundation to start doing some advanced analytics, getting into the AI space. Because if you have you know, all your data at your disposal through kind of this common plane, you can start doing things like there's machine learning services introduced in SQL in the last couple of years. So you can start doing more and more of your cognitive work, your prescriptive analytics. It's no longer about hindsight. You're getting to insight. Mm -hmm. um, it's a big phrase. It's no longer about hindsight. Yeah. It's about insight. And that is really key because that is the value of data. If you can't get insight from data, it's pretty hard to create value. And you might be at a competitive disadvantage <laughs> until you can, right? Until you can, that's yeah. right. Yeah. 
As far as edge use cases, I think the trend we're seeing there is just more and more intelligence is required or is evolving at the edge. What that's really about is I may be in a situation where I don't have good internet connectivity or I don't have good access to my core network, or just latency is key there to where I need to be able to just capture something, analyze it on the spot, and make a decision. So, you know, Microsoft's taken SQL Server and kind of scaled it from a petabyte TPCH distributed. Yeah. They scaled it down to something called, you know, Azure SQL Database Edge, which is containerized SQL designed to run right at the edge, you know, time series built-in support and all the other goodies that typically come with a SQL Server deployment, um, but very lightweight. Yep. From a developer's perspective, it's all the same SQL code to me. You know, I can code my app against my production server. I can deploy to the edge. I can deploy it into the public cloud. You can deploy anywhere. Yeah. It's a big difference. So I'd like your insights on sort of where this could go. Distributed databases, intelligence at the edge, adding analytics and insights is really changing the way customers should think about building databases. Where should they go? You know, I mean, not just where can they learn more. Right, right. I mean, they know how to search Google. Mm -hmm. yeah, right, yeah. Right, yeah. right? and we're certainly going to, you Bing, know. Jake. They know how to search Bing. <laughs> or Bing. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they know how to search Bing. Yeah. So tell us where our listeners can really get educated and what they should be concerned about moving into the future. Okay, so uh, where to get educated? They should come to Ignite. <laughs> so that doesn't hurt. Yeah, right. A lot of great um, courses here. Yeah, Microsoft Technology Centers. I mean, there's no dearth of training materials out there. But uh, I think the best way really is just get your hands on. It takes all of five minutes to download a container image of SQL Server and then install it and have an instance up and running. Again, just kick the tires on it, roll up your sleeves. It's easy to get running, but see what you can actually start doing with it. In my mind, that's probably the best way to learn. But then look to something like pass.org, you know, professional association of SQL Server. That community is, is great. They do things like SQL Saturdays. It's one of the best communities yeah. we worked with is in it, the industry. Is it 300,000 members or something 300, like that? 300,000 plus members. And they're all yeah. data professionals. Yeah. You know? Because one of the neat things about that community, too, is everyone is there willing to help. Most of our interactions, everyone's very enthusiastic. They're all about sharing knowledge. So with that, I'd like to thank you for joining us this morning. I know you've got a lot on your plate because Ignite is well underway and we all have lots of meetings going on. So I want to thank you for joining us, Ken. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jake. Thank you. On behalf of Intel, this has been Jake Smith, Director of Data Center Technologies. I've been joined on this Chip Chat episode by Ken Letourneau, Enterprise Solutions Architect, Data Center Group. Wherever you may listen to this, we wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, and good night. Visit ChipChat online at intel.com slash chipchat. And for more information on data center technologies, visit intel.com slash bigdata, intel.com slash cloud, and intel.com slash data center optimization.